welcome to Tales of Existence with me, Daniel Savage, a small man asking the big question, what does it mean to exist? Each week I have my guests create their own fictional tale of existence through the medium of what we like to call a tale baby. Uh, If you've not listened before, we just create a little tale baby and then we give it a life and we see what it gets up to. you'll, You'll get it. This week I have Duncan Wallace, frontman of Dutch Uncles and fellow DJ and pub quiz host. This episode was recorded during lockdown, so if Duncan sounds like he's speaking from down the telephone, it's because he is. If you want to find out more about Tales of Existence or Duncan or Dutch Uncles, then check out the podcast description for all of the links. This was a really good podcast with Duncan. I've been uh, wanting to get him on the podcast for a while and I'm delighted that he now is. I've been a fan of Dutch Uncles and also just a fan of Duncan. Whether it's seeing him DJ after me at the Deaf Institute or uh, helping out with his pub quizzes. We've got a little pub quiz uh, alliance as hosts, so <laughs> that's that's nice. Uh, but yeah, listen on and enjoy. All right, hello Duncan. Welcome to Tales of Existence. Daniel Savage, pleasure to be here. In my bedroom, looking at you. Always welcome. Down, <laughs> down the phone From one, one D to another. <laughs> yeah, <indeed. laughs> double D's. <laughs> Goodbye. <we> <laughs> yeah, this is Tales of Existence, so we've got a little tail baby that we need to raise together. Do you have any pets yet that you've had to raise? I did have a pet. Oh, okay. Uh, I had a cat. I had a cat. It was my uh, 25th birthday present. She now lives with my mum, okay. and she's a bitch. So that's all I can say about She just refuses to have any medicine brought to her. Like my my position, like so, I got a cat as a birthday present, like eight weeks old kitten, and it really, it, I suppose, it did feel like that. Oh my God, this is what having a child must be like. <laughs> um, and then you kind of look back on what you said two weeks after you said that and thought, no, nah, it's just a cat. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it, it, like there's moments where I suppose where you feel like it's just you and that cat against the world. And then because, of course, because of the renting system, you're like, you all, all of a sudden you realise, well, I've smuggled a cat into one place. I can't really <laughs> smuggle a cat into another place. Certainly not a third. So um, uh, I, I kind of pushed her on to my mum. <laughs> okay. And and so my mum's been uh, looking after her, but in that time she's just, uh, yeah, that cat's become a very belligerent force and she only knows me as a medicine man now. I just come over just to kind of give her the eye drops. Or oh, give her, I see. You know, the, the flea stuff. It's just she, a bit of water on forgot, the back of the neck. She's forgotten you know the early I mean? days. Yeah, and, and now she has nothing but contempt for me. <laughs> so, uh, I, you, know, I, I, you know, fair is fair. I'll call her a bitch. I have decided on that front to uh, probably upgrade to, okay. a, to a human baby. Okay, so we're going human. That's good to know. Yeah. And yeah. have we got a name? I mean, kind of. We kind of got a name because I don't know if you ever... I mean, my, my, my improv classes are failing me tremendously before <laughs> I've even taken one here. But uh, <laughs> in my head, I was like, right, think of a name. Think of a name. What's the name going to be? Only one name could ever come into my head at this point. And it was Malvolio. Malvolio. And I really, I mean, and I, I'd like to say I don't know where that's come from, but I, I realise now it's actually come from uh, 10th grade GCSE English literature. Yeah, <laughs> um, straight the, from Shakespeare. Uh, 
Yeah, very much the Shakespearean incel from Twelfth Night. But if you give someone like a, a, a an evil name like that, or at least the name of a bad guy, then yeah. at least you kind of know where you stand with them in society. So you've got little human Malvolio. Yeah, well, but then I, but I, I kind of, I went a bit further. I gave it, it I gave him Malvolio a second name because I was a bit like, well, how did I get my name? Uh, and my my brother named me. He named me after a He-Man figure. Because my brother right. was only five at the time, and for some reason my parents really didn't want that responsibility. <laughs> so they left it to a five-year-old. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the game's Delegated. my brother, who then sub- subsequently made fun of my name, despite giving it to me, which is a <laughs> handy metaphor for uh, 2020, if you're remotely uh, kind of left-wing-minded. But yeah, so I was thinking, well, if I had a kid and I was going to name it after a childhood TV show character... Uh, I would go for uh, Tencent, which is the lead character from my favourite TV show, Tugs. So Malvolio Tencent is the name. <laughs> Malvolio Tencent. Amazing. Yeah. That That's probably the, the grandest name we've had so far, I think. I thought it sounded quite grand too, even though Tencent, not only is it not a name, but you think on its own it's quite common. What was your first dream job as a kid? What did you want to grow up to be? I don't really know what I wanted to grow up to be, to be fair. I'm, I, you know what, I knew you had I know that you asked these questions, yet I had not anticipated that in the slightest. Um, I, I don't know, I, I suppose, like, what did I want to be? I wanted to be a spy. I remember, I remember what did you want to be, sir? A spy. That was my first sort of dream. A spy? Job. I wanted to be a spy. Did you collect all the file faxes? Did you do that thing? Yeah, I had a little d- detective agency run out of my garage as a kid. I wanted Ooh, to be... Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like James Bond meets Sherlock Holmes. I think right. I just like to solve things. Yeah, then I then I wanted to be a comedian and, and then it all fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess on that basis, looking back, the, the one thing I remember actually asserting my spare time into, apart from playing... Goldeneye was writing scripts for like Wallace and Gromit. Oh, like, wow, okay. Like kind of potential Wallace and Gromit films and stuff like that. But it was very blue though. <laughs> oh, was it? Were you a dirty child? Or as blue as like a 10 year old could get with the Wallace and Gromit script. <laughs> yeah. I'd be very worried if those scripts still existed. <laughs> <laughs> Who was blue? Um, was it Wallace and Gromit? Who was the dirty one? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't think there's any bestiality in it. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't have even known what bestiality was back then. No, I don't. I would hope not. <laughs> I think I was just trying to make Wallace say the F word as many okay. times as possible. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. That, apart from that, the only thing I really sort of did was um, theatre right. uh, growing up. So I don't, I, I'm going to say Malvolio is an actor. It, it would fit the brief, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Yes, let's just say that. How old were you when you started playing in a band then? Like, sort of secondary school? Yeah, it was a, it was a bit later than that. Late bloomer, okay. of course. Ever the late bloomer, even <laughs> with a drum kit. There was nothing to do apart from be in the theatre and go to the skate park uh, <laughs> around those ages. And I was, the, I was the kid who'd come to the skate park with, like, my little portable speakers and my Linkin Park CDs and all that. But, like, but that music never really kind of made too much sense until... I mean, like, actually being in a band and sort of appreciating music, it, it came in the form of, I don't know if you remember, 
um, a Q channel or Q magazine, they did a remix of Christina Aguilera's Genie in a Bottle with the strokes hard to explain. Yes, I have heard that. I do know it. Yeah. yeah. And I remember like kind of clicking my fingers to that, thinking, what is this insatiable <laughs> mashup? And when I found out it was, <laughs> that's how I discovered the strokes. And through discovering the strokes, discovering Fabrizio Moretti, and then going, right, that's it, I'm getting a drum kit with the £100 that I have in my account. Yeah. I'm spending it all on a third-hand drum kit. And so that was like kind of college. And then I met the rest of Dutch Uncles. Uh, they were already in a band. They were all the year below me. And um, I've forgotten how it happened. I, th- I think, yeah, basically I formed a band with some of their friends. So I could, I kind of came back to school as the kid from college to do this year 11 okay. talent show, which... <laughs> Looking back on it, a bit sad, but at the time was, you know, electric. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, we did terribly, they did less terribly, but neither of us won. I think we lost to a band called Raspberry Junction in the end. <laughs> wow. And, <laughs> and uh, as you can imagine, there were management changes uh, and, and uh, transfers straight away as soon as the window opened. That was it. Um, yeah, and I basically became the singer of what is now Dutch Uncles, purely on the basis that Andy was a better drummer than me. And then somehow, some way, we got a manager really early on because uh, I think they could tell that from our determination to bring major seventh chords and uh, time signatures <laughs> to the indie game, I think he saw like a potential kooks in waiting. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, kind of did that whole scene for a bit. And here okay. we are 15 years later. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I can imagine if uh, Malvolio is uh, a tenth of his uh, daddy. (laughs) 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 You're you're a tenth of your daddy, Malvolio. Exactly where you're headed. Um, (laughs) To the stocks. Uh, No, I I think uh, you know he he would um, he would sort of riddle himself with indecision. Not really want to get into anything too much. And on those basis, I think I would say to him, if you're gonna if you're going to be creative, don't do music. If you're going to do music, don't be a musician. Be anything else but a musician. Because right, okay. that, that's where the career is actually at. Yeah. If you insist on doing music, do not do it for money. <laughs> <laughs> Those would be the three cast iron rules. You do anything else, but do not rely on that. Okay. <laughs> Which I know sounds really dark. But, but uh, I mean, here we it, are in it's a reality, five yeah. of lockdown. Yeah. So a lot of time to think about it. <laughs> Yeah, how are you? How are you coping with the the the, the lack of um, live, and well, the possibility of of not being able to perform live for a, a good while? Uh, I'll I'll be honest. I mean, from a Dutch Uncle's perspective, we kind of saw it as a bit of a shot in the arm. <laughs> We're just like, what do you mean we don't have to play the old stuff? Great. <laughs> like it's it's. I, I think. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to scare any fans out there, but I would say that we've definitely felt close towards kind of putting a stamp on it before lockdown happened. And then lockdown occurred. And um, our writing process, very old fashioned. Like Robin traditionally writes the music. He's the bass player. I traditionally bring the vocals and the lyrics to it. And so it's quite, we consider it quite an old fashioned Manchester model, you know, like kind of Morrissey Marr type of thing. Yeah. Uh, but it's, that also means it, it takes a long time, but it never starts with me. So thankfully, like Rob and now Pete in the band, they've both been writing music. And because of lockdown and because of not having to think about, well, 
there's baggage with with previous stuff. Sure. That's another thing I'd say to Malvolio is that like if you're going to be creative, do it in a way that you can kind of really sign yourself off from any project because you don't want to feel like the next thing you go into is going to be marred by everything you've done before it. And I don't think there's any truer case of that than in music. Yeah. I think it's really hard for bands and artists to move on uh, just in a way that's honest to them because, of course, I mean, there'll be labels that need to see the money side of it all, but then you don't want to alienate fans. But at the same time, you want to... Eventually, it all becomes... The lesson is that as soon as something's out in the public domain, it's no longer yours anyway. Sure. And you have to get used to that. I'm not dropping any exclusives here, but we are trying to attempt a new way of doing what we do. We've already done five albums. And I think we only just really started enjoying the touring side of it on the last album anyway. Right. Um, the answer to that is Greg's and Buck's Fizz every morning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, you have to really start to live up the uh, the egotistic kind of notions. It's like, actually, this could yeah. this be all right. <laughs> There's a reason that's worked for other bands. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, you have to embrace that eventually, embrace the absurdity of it. It's going to be a real shame to see yeah. the, the casualties in this, which will be venues. I don't think bands will be the casualties. I think, truth be told, and I don't mean this with any bitterness whatsoever, but for the most part, music is very much a middle-class adventure. And there will be time for people to go, all right, well, we're, we're not touring this year, but we'll find a way to tour next year. Sure. And it's just, a, it's just a case of making sure that artists, if anything, it's going to be a really really efficient reminder, a really solid reminder to not rely on music for money. Yeah. To, to find that other thing. And all I can say to that is the, 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 the two best economies are death and food. So get into <laughs> one of them. Artists are used to working within boundaries and restrictions anyway, so... I guess. Well, yeah, but I also I can't help but feel that, especially within not the echo chambers, but certainly on the social channels, we're starting to fall for this idea that we have rights <laughs> as as workers. Creatives don't have rights. These industries aren't based on that. No. You know, we have award ceremonies that trick us into the idea that these things are founded on any moral basis whatsoever, and they're not. And we've we've kind of fallen for our own trick on that. And we've kind of gone, well, what, where's my rights in all this? And it's like, well, it's it's showbiz. It's yeah. horrible. It's a it's a hideous bitch goddess to quote the Simpsons, quoting someone else. <laughs> and that is it. And that's uh, like just just don't don't rely on it. Be involved, but do it, yeah. you know, do it in a way that's honest. So getting away from music for a second, what is one place that you would tell Marvolio that he definitely needs to visit in the world? Whether it's somewhere you've been on tour or somewhere that you've just been on holiday or somewhere that means a lot to you, where would you um, suggest? Yeah, that's an, yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Okay, if I was to say you have to go visit this place before you die, uh, presuming that Malvolio is in England, which I assume he is. My dad always said, like, my, my dad when I was growing up, he worked for the BBC for a time. And he worked on the World Service and he ended up being asked by the World Service to go to Somalia to oh, help right. set up a radio show for them, which was a, a, essentially the Somalian equivalent of the Archers. Wow, okay. That was the whole point. I mean, yeah. we, you know, the Archers was a programme to 
introduced farming techniques, wasn't it? That's what it was mainly for. And then they went, actually, this sure. soap shit's really selling. <laughs> and, then, and then it became all about the dramas. But he always used to threaten, like, whenever he'd come back, he's like, I'm taking you, Robin, I'm taking you to, uh, I'm taking you to Somalia because, you know, you guys, need a, you guys need some perspective here. I was like, what perspective? I'm just playing Goldeneye. Like, what's going on? <laughs> kind of thing. And I, and I suppose it's a bit of a weird one when people threaten to sort of take your places, like, to teach you a, not to teach you a lesson, but just to give you some perspective. Yeah. In, in that respect, I would put a 2020 parenting spin on it and say... If you don't go anywhere else, go to any country that you identify as a place that looks after its people (laughs) or failing that, go to Berlin because the genius behind Berlin, of course, is its humbleness. I mean, it's a place that's entrenched in history and culture and everything like that. But when you go there, when I think of Berlin, you know, it's one of the biggest cities in the world, isn't it? When you think of its impact and then you think of a place like New York. And New York really is like a place that's too big. And it's like, you either make it or you break it there. Whereas in Berlin, you just have a beer. You know, from my perspective, at least, it looks after its, you know, it it looks after its constituents. And you think about like all the great art that's come from there and how unpretentious it all is and how it lives with its history. That would be the place to go. Yeah. Like like a humble hub. (laughs) A humble hub. I would say that much. Yeah. One of the questions you asked, like, would you prefer him to live in the, the past, present or future? I guess if he's going to visit Berlin, it's Berlin now rather than sort of Berlin 19. Well, yeah, but then again, I mean, like, if it's, if it's, <laughs> there were two options. It was either he's born in 1949 or he's born in 1967, because they're both good years to be brought up in for different reasons. Okay. I can, I can like, obviously I've thought far too much about it. <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> but for me, like, 1949 was like, right, well... Uh, that, which I, I picked that out. It was the it was the year my dad was born. Obviously, you're bringing up a boomer then, a boomer called Malvolio. By the way. <laughs> um, but by the time you reach 18, you're still in a place where the infrastructure around you. First of all, you can walk into a job. There's yeah. no experience needed. Like by the time I was 17, 18. Like, even to get a bar job in Marple was, you had to have experience. It's like I've I've literally turned 18 last week. What yes. experience could I have? Please. <laughs> And by the time you've reached 18, you could literally move to the next town over and no one would know who you were. <laughs> you know, you could just start all over again if you didn't like it. And then if you were brought up in 1967, you would experience all the best of music culture, certainly, at the right times. Yeah. Where you could sort of come into the club scene in the 80s, maybe get a job in the music industry, absolutely rinse it for all it's worth in the 90s through Britpop. That's where you want to make your money. Make your money in Britpop. (laughs) In in my head, I was like, at what point is it a good time to go to Berlin in either of those times? It'd be quite tricky. But then again, if Malvolio's an actor, theatre was was big in the GDR. Yeah, it was. Socialist (laughs) theatre. Is there an essential skill that Marvolio should learn that would help him in life? When you say skill, I'm kind of taking a more supernatural sort of tinge to it. Sure. Not like flying. That's far too basic. Okay. When's, when's the last time any of us had a flying dream? Doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> does it? Oh, well, I, was, I jumped, I was chased by a dinosaur last night. Um, really? Yeah. How, how did that turn out? Well, I just ha- It was more annoying because 
I'd run away and then I'd start doing something and then it would like appear like in the distance and be like, oh, I've got to run over there again now. And then it was just like a constant sort of very distant cat and mouse where it, it wasn't quite close to eating me. It was just like, oh, it's here it is. I've got to run away again. Did you have any example of you were doing something? Like, um, like, like what, like back to your Kakuro? Like, <laughs> I think uh, I was gardening in one of them. I think oh, I was really? I was like mowing a lawn and then I was like looked over a hedge and then oh there's a T-Rex down the road I better <laughs> run away again. Uh, Jurassic Park was the first film that gave me nightmares and I think maybe that's what's carried on for the <laughs> my my first uh, my first film to give me nightmares was Hocus Pocus. <laughs> <laughs> skills yeah so i kind of took a bit more of a supernatural like you know well what if they could actually do something that was just like incredible or just really good um really really good and i'm gonna go for mimicry Mimicry. so like just impressions just do really good impressions because you know all about all about the blag and as i say socialist theater it's coming back in a big (laughs) way uh that's that'll happen without being cynical about it you know there's there's probably there's more money to be made in being a covers band than an actual band so whether he's an actor or a musician like (laughs) if you can really sound like paul mccartney then 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 you're in yeah (laughs) no shame in it weddings there's loads of money in weddings you can get for a paul mccartney cover good good god yes exactly Good party trick as well, just to like make friends with if you can mimic people. Yeah, it might it might even bag you a partner at some point down the <laughs> some point down the road. I don't know I'll, why I'll or to... how. <laughs> you don't want to get into a sort of uh, being John Malkovich stage where <laughs> is he is he doing an impression of John Malkovich? Is that what it is? Well, he's. He ends up being in John Malkovich's mind, and then he's... At first, you're only able to see through John Malkovich's eyes, but then you're able to control John Malkovich, and then he... Hence, hence the phrase, being John Malkovich. Yes. Very good. You got there. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you be, then? If you could be oh, anyone? Oh, that is a in that, in that context. I reckon... Who do I reckon's at a... Like, a half... My imagination either goes too far or just close enough, so I'd be like, Gary Lineker seems like... <laughs> <laughs> But, but that's not really using the fullness of my choice. I'm terrible with choices. Uh, I get I get overwhelmed and pick something that's kind of okay, but is clearly not the best one that I should have chosen. I, I'm a bit afraid to answer it because I just think the more diabolical, the better. Like, well, if it ain't me, <laughs> then I can just step out of it at any point. Then you know, as, as soon as I see the guillotine, I'll just fuck off. <laughs> Although your brother would be the guy that lives in Ibiza, so that... Mm. Yeah. Um, I've never been. I've never been to Ibiza. Have you not? No. I, I went, but I was too young. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where... Um, I think I went when I was 14. Family holiday, of course. Right. My, my brother was old enough to hit the clubs. Oh, I but see. It must be a bit weird to hit the clubs on your own. So I don't really know what he did in that respect. There. But uh, yeah, it was like my mum took me and my brother and our uncle and uh i just remember we we played my, my uncle had brought a mixtape cassette mixtape of course and Classic. he played we just played the same songs every night really loudly in the uh, in like the patio garden 
And I remember the one song that was on it that I kept rewinding and pressing play again was They Might Be Giants, Birdhouse in Your Soul. Oh, yeah. So that was on. So we're just basically blasting that on repeat for seven nights uh, in a row until about 2 a.m. And on the last night, our our neighbours, who, who had a farm, because we were just like a village just off a farm, our neighbours had thrown buckets and buckets of animal shit in our swimming pool <laughs> as a protest. <laughs> But we didn't really care because it was our last day there. So when the holiday rep showed up together in Sahara, we didn't wait. It was like, uh, it was interesting. The swimming pool's full of animal shit. <laughs> Malvolio, does he have immortality? What sort of age do you think is a good life or what? Oh, um, no, I don't think I don't think bestowing invincibility on anyone would, would be up there in the top five of ideas of life. No, I want him to have a concept of death, but I want him to have the right concept of death. Okay. For me, that is, don't fear death, fear being left behind. That's not to say join a cult, but that is to <laughs> say, uh, <laughs> but, that, but that is to say, like, um, yeah, I think it's far worse to lose someone than it is to be the lost one. I mean, obviously, that's really open to interpretation, and I'm pretty much using it in the black and white form of death. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there, there will be other cases where that is really not the case. I, I, I don't want to get purposefully lewd about it, but it's a bit like death is a bit like wanking in a sense that I think it's far more worse to catch someone wanking than it is to be caught wanking. Okay. I don't know, because at least you're living in the moment, and then that person <laughs> has to live with the fact that they've caught you living in the moment. And it's that's quite true. traumatic. <laughs> Yeah, and I also, can and also to that, and as someone who's probably been both of those people now by thirty-three, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, definitely like, kind of, don't be afraid of death, don't be afraid to get caught in the act, don't try and live, yeah, don't try and live forever, because I think I'd like to think that most of us are all going to be fallen afoul by our own mistakes. You know, sure. kind of like, I think most of us will uh, perish in that moment of, oh, did I leave the gas on? But maybe not the gas, yeah. but something else. You know what I mean? Like, it'll be something of our own stupidity, our own making. I think most of us will go in that sense. Um, and I suppose the, the the grim reality of that is just alcoholism. But, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of meant it in a more charming and uh, instant manner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Malvoli, maybe he's got the, that choice. Yeah, so I, I would say to him, just, just, you know, just take your shot, mate. You know, nothing to lose. Exactly. Just, just try and instill that and say it is, it is worse to catch someone in the act than it is to be the one caught in the act. Perhaps open to interpretation. <laughs> Brackets, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps, yeah. <laughs> I guess this kind of moves us on nicely to, um, is Malvolio going to find love or is it important for him to find love? I'd say there's no pressure. That's, that's going to come along anyway. I mean, it depends. Like, if we're looking at that 49 timeline we're yeah. talking about, you know, we didn't know what kids in Malibu were up to, did we, back no. then? And, you know, we, we, when you live in a smaller place, you, you're going to, you know, shit's going to happen. You're going to get with people. And that's when you usually have to run off and to go to town. the town. <laughs> <clears throat> so we can thank globalisation for enforcing re moral responsibilities on us all. But no, I, I, don't, I don't think, I mean, despite the fact I've named him after a Shakespearean incel, <laughs> I, I, I don't think he's going to struggle with the ladies. No. <laughs> no not, with, uh, not with his mimic. Not with, 
<laughs> certainly not with his mimicry skills and love for socialist theatre. I mean, That's you know, all the drink up. <laughs> So, final question. Uh, have you got anything planned for the rest of your existence? Like, what would you like to achieve with with things coming up? Or are you unsure? Or are you just sort of going with the flow? I'm just sort of going with... Well, to quote Fight Club, you've, caught, you've podcasted me at a very weird time in my life here, Dan. <laughs> Basically, I'm 33 and I've never really had a job. And if I can yeah. make it to 40 on those odds, <laughs> I'll be very impressed. But, so, uh, it, but it, it does get to that point where you feel like, well, I've, I've got this far. How much further could I go with this bullshit? I'm going to eke this out. I don't even know if there's going to be another general election done. So right. when you don't even know what the world's going to be like in four years, you just start to think, well, yeah. uh, I'm just hoping that because I am half Scottish and my name is Scottish, that I will be able to get a Scottish passport as and when that occurs. <laughs> yeah, well, one so, of my... Uh, good, good luck and see you later. <laughs> one of my dreams is to set up a little um, commune in Scotland and then all sort of live socially together. That's Yeah, the... buy, buy some land, make yeah. sure it's got a well, you know, do that. It's just, I, I think it's just sad that, you know, when, when things like this epidemic hit you, but, but when things hit you like this in terms of where you are with your work because I was pretty much on the verge of actually being able to say you know what I think I'm almost making enough money to be able to rent somewhere legit <laughs> you know like like a, I think a landlord would accept me now and now that's all gone and then you think well what what is it you liked when you were younger it's like oh well you know you may have dreamed of like wouldn't it be cool to like get into acting or something like that and you just realize like well even that just seems a bit pointless now it's like what well, you're going to get into acting you're going to it's, it's all just so spread out now that there's no uh consensus i think for what's good and what's yeah not bad but what's celebrated and and now everyone just everyone just makes culture part of their personalities we should have seen it coming with myspace where you could pick a song to your page that sure. was the beginning of the end <laughs> frankly that in the top eight <laughs> <Yeah>. scumbags <laughs> God, remember, remember how much that would matter to be in your friend's top eight. Great, so I'll, I'll tell you the, the little tale of Malvolio Ten Cents then. Thank you. So, he's going to be born 1949, I think we agreed upon. I say we, you, you agreed. <laughs> I was just along for the ride. He's, uh, he's going to be an actor, because um, he's... Not only can he act, but he's very good at, at mimicry and impressions, which is a, a skill that he's going to Yeah, he's, he's already disappointed me greatly. <laughs> <laughs> You've told him to, if, if he is going to do anything creative, to, to also make sure that he's involved in food and death, just to make sure there's, there's guaranteed money coming in. Um, those I like the, it. Those are the two industries to, to get into. He should definitely visit Berlin. Um, I've also written down any country that looks after the people in it. Basically, basically New Zealand, and that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's not going to live forever. He's not going to be afraid of death. Um, and he, he said it's about not getting caught in the act, but about not being afraid to, to try. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be afraid to get caught, wanky. Yeah, yeah very that's, good. that's kind of his life's motto that you've passed down from him. Um, I yeah. can see that on a little coat of arms. <laughs> oh, yeah, a cracky coat of arms, that. Yeah. <laughs>
so yeah, that's that's Malvolio Ten Cents. Um, yeah, thanks so much for for creating him and the little tail baby. Have, are you proud of him? Are you you said he's already let you down, but I've, I've, I'd, I'd be quite happy to. I think he's quite a, a rounded character. I I sense that he senses the um, he knows we have an amicable distance. He, he knows okay. that you know. He knows it doesn't need saying. Yeah. He knows that you respect his socialist theatre, and I think that's the main... Yeah. The main point. And he's probably made more money than I have at this point, so... <laughs> as long as he doesn't need money from me, then it's fine. Okay. I'll have run away. <laughs> so, thanks so much for your tail baby and for joining me today. Yeah, thanks to, to Duncan. See you soon. My pleasure, Dan. Thank you very much. So that was this week's Tale of Existence. I hope you enjoyed listening to mine and Duncan's chat. You may have noticed this hasn't been coming out every Monday, but I am trying to get as many of these done as possible with as many interesting people as I can find. So make sure that you subscribe, give us a five-star review, um, unless, of course, you're an idiot. In which case, I... Well, I still like you and love you because I think the world needs to love people that are, you know, mean to them. I can't just write you off. can't just, you know. Yeah. Oh, my music's run out now. So, uh, yeah. guess stay safe and... Oh, I'm, I'm so ready for a pub. And a dance. Anybody want to come go out for a dance? All right, we'll end it here. Bye.